0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShall from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. The title of our conference is New Horizons. And uh, I'm going to be speaking the whole time during this conference out of the book of Nehemiah. Talking about Nehemiah, his role, who he is. And I'm going to be depicting him maybe differently than some of you have seen him. Nehemiah is often talked about as a great leader, and he is. And he's a great model for leadership, and we need leaders today. But he's also a picture of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leading, leading change. And you can look at Jerusalem as a city that needs to be restored, but you can also look at Jerusalem as a picture of the human being, the human heart and life. You see, Jerusalem had a temple, and under a prophecy by Daniel, he prophesied that they would be able to return and rebuild the temple. Ezra prophesied the rebuilding of the temple, and these men were contemporaries with each other. After 70 years of Babylonian captivity, Daniel was able to prophesy, and men went back and began to rebuild the temple of our Lord and Savior, or not of our Lord, but of of, of God in Jerusalem. That's a picture of what our Lord and Savior does in your life. When you get born again, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you. There's temple worship again. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God resides in you by His Holy Spirit. But just like Jerusalem, many times you're born again, but The enemy still is running havoc in your life because your soul is fractured. The soul is represented in this story by the walls and the gates of the city that have been broken down, burned. And the enemy is coming in and out. I told the businessman on Wednesday when we had our... Victory Business Forum meeting, that many people don't understand the timetable of the Bible. But between the time that they rebuilt the temple and the time that Nehemiah shows up to rebuild the walls was 90 years. A whole generation was gone. In fact, most of the people had never seen the temple. Most of the people had never seen Jerusalem. The walls had been torn down for 90 years. So, there's so many great leadership principles that we could talk about out of the book of Nehemiah, out of the life of Nehemiah, but this evening, I want to look at a few patterns that could be helpful to you, to me, in the situation that we find ourselves in, the nation of Zimbabwe, and around the world. There's chaos all over the world. It doesn't matter what nation you're in. There's something happening that is lawless. So first of all, we have to address the obvious. There is a leadership crisis in the earth today. In our nation, our government isn't leading. They have not led for a long time. It's a systemic problem. And not only does it affect government, but it has paralyzed our businesses and it's affected our churches. Pastors don't know what to do we don't know where to lead sometimes it's a pariah it's a sickness that creeps in when lawlessness abounds the bible says when it goes when the when the wicked rule or when there's wickedness in the land good people hide themselves they don't know what to do all right this is even creeping into some of our families the lives of families the situation in our country however is not by accident Many of you think, well, it's just happening. No, no. You have to understand that it's by design. You have to understand that there's a few people in this world that control everything. They control, they they control the functioning of governments. They control the functioning of the world. Their desire is to create chaos so that they can mandate solutions. And these solutions are solutions that basically take away our basic freedoms, people's basic freedoms, their opportunities, and their ability to obtain wealth. The average person is who's suffering. It's not these people that are leading. It's not the elite of our nation that are suffering. It's the average person, and it's the poor that are suffering. When I say it's by design, this is happening all over the world. Uh, don't take my word for it. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Do your own research. Do your own research. Go study. Do your own research. If you want to know what to study, go study the Hegelian dialect. Many of you studied that when you were in university. You had no idea what you were studying, but it sounded great. But it's the whole core of scientific socialism. And the ideas behind scientific socialism is that anything that is structured, that is ordered... You destroy it, you move it, so that you can create your own answer. You can create your own structure. And I've taught you before, we move from thesis, and we create an antithesis, an antithesis. And anytime I can move you from the thesis, it's called synthesis. But your synthesis becomes the new thesis in your life. And the further you move away from absolute truth... The further you can move, be moved away from God, the further you can be moved away from anything that upholds righteousness, is a victory for the enemy. And the enemy is very good at this, by the way. You can study this on your own. But Proverbs chapter 30 is a very incredible verse of Scripture. And uh, verses 21 and 22 says this. It says, Under three things the earth quakes... And under four it cannot bear up. And then it goes on and says, under a pauper when he becomes a king. And then it says three other things. But under a pauper that becomes a king. So here's the principle that I want to talk about tonight. You have to understand that you will always reproduce the environment around you that you're cultivating within yourself. You see... There's a lie. Let me me just touch on that a little bit. You know, when we talk about Nehemiah rebuilding the personality of a person, many of you got born again, and you became kingly. But you're not able to maintain it because you never had your souls repaired. And you knew you were born again, but you never... Fix the gates, you never fix the walls of your life. And therefore, although you are trying to act like a king, you are literally a pauper. Here's how this works in the natural and in the spiritual. Unless you allow the Holy Spirit to rebuild you, unless God rebuilds you, you're going to struggle. And you're going to create chaos. When a slave or a pauper becomes king, even though he becomes wealthy and powerful, his slavish mentality, his pauper mentality, treats people badly. And there's a reason for it. In our country, this generation of leaders that we have are paupers. They've enriched themselves, but they're paupers in their spirits. They're paupers in their hearts, and it's evident because nobody can succeed unless they succeed. Nobody can have anything unless they have it first. And that's a sign of a pauper. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, but some of us have that in the church. Some of us have that in the way you do business. Some of that, we have that in the way we treat our families. We're paupers at heart. You see, there's a lie that keeps paupers from experiencing the truth of their identity in Christ. See, when you've been trained to feel like you're insignificant, you develop survival skills to try and avoid the pain of that reality. See, a pauper lives and uses survival skills because he believes that this is one big dog-eat-dog world. This poverty mentality is the primary attitude of the pauper. Whether the pauper has experienced poverty in his or her finances or in love and affirmation, all paupers have one belief in common, that there's never going to be enough for them. They live in fear, struggling with the feeling that the well is about to dry up. See, God never intended us, for live, uh, us to live in, a, in poverty in any area of our lives. God, God doesn't want that for us. The Bible's full of promises of God's provision for his people. I love what David said in Psalm 37, 25. He says, I have been young. Sounds like me. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. Jesus even made it clear in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Do not worry saying, everybody say, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. You know, I used to tell a story. I'll tell it tonight just because some of you haven't heard it. But do you remember during the big drought in this country? How many of you remember in the big drought in this country? I mean, 14 years of drought. I don't know if you saw the story where all the sparrows in Whale were just dying. And the streets were just covered with sparrows and they were sweeping the sparrows up because they were all dying. Do you remember that story? You don't remember that story because it never happened. It never happened. Even in the worst drought, the sparrows were taken care of by God. See it now some of you just watch too much YouTube, some of you just watch far too much Facebook and uh, Yes, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. Don't believe everything that anybody tells you. Check it out. Don't take my word for it. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Do your own research. <laughs> Paupers have a poverty mentality. They feel like their resources are limited. They believe that when someone else receives something, it takes away from some provision that could be theirs. Paupers surmise that someone else's blessing costs them something. In Zimbabwe, we perfected that. It's called a spirit of covetousness. Not only do we have jealousy where I'm jealous if you get something, we have covetousness that says, if you can't have it, if I can't have it, you ain't going to have it either. I'd rather destroy the deal. We'd rather not have an RBZ deal than me not be able to chow out of it. That's what that was all about. We couldn't figure out who's going to get the chow. So the deal doesn't go through. Covetousness. Popper spirit, Popper! 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 Everybody say popper. See, the story of the prodigal son that we see in Luke's, the 15th chapter, illustrates this point really clearly. Here, here we have this young son, he's squandered his inheritance, and uh, then this youngest son comes home seeking refuge. His father was so excited to see him that he threw him a party. He'd been saving the fatted calf for such an occasion. And finally, it's time to celebrate. Everybody came to the festivity except for the elder brother. He stayed out in the field. When his father didn't see the older brother at the party, he went out looking for him. And he found him outside all alone. Hey, why aren't you coming to celebrate, the father said. Well, the, other, the older brother yelled at him and said, you gave him the fatted calf but you haven't even given me a goat. That's what he said. His father was stunned. He looked at his son, staring into his soul with his eyes, the eyes of a loving father. And he said, I've given him the fatted calf, but you own the farm. See, Unfortunately, most of us in the church are still thinking like the older brother. We've lost sight of the fact that we don't just work on the farm. We are sons and daughters of the owner, and our dad has plenty. You know, if we ever get this in our spirit... If you ever really get a revelation of this, it'll totally change the way that you think. It'll totally change the way you plan for your future. It'll totally change the way you see your horizons. Some of you can't see new horizons because you have a pauper spirit. You're like the older brother. You can't see that you own it all, that God has made provision for you. See, most of us are still looking at our provision. I mean, what we have or what our bank balance says we have. And we use that to help us determine our vision. And therefore, we're living within our means instead of his blessings. I talk to a lot of you. I mean, I talk to a lot of our pastors. I talk to a lot of our businessmen. Well, we just can't, you can't afford to do it because you're seeing what you have and not what God can do. You're measuring by what's in your hand and not what God says. And you don't trust him. You know, when we built this building, the conventional wisdom of some of my building committee members and some of the leaders around me at the time was to stop and give up on some of the projects we were doing and some of the outreach programs so that we could save costs. I'll never forget, I was with a leading pastor, a leading evangelist, really. And he said, whatever you do, he says, don't stop doing everything you do as a church to focus only on a building. At that time, we were stretched. We were putting a lot of money into Compassion Ministries, and we were taking care of refugees, and we were were feeding people, and we were taking care of orphans. And I mean, we were really stretched. But I determined in my heart to the chagrin of many of our leaders to continue to pay all the bills, to take care of the poor, to take care of the widow, to take care of the orphan, to take care of the refugee, and build the building. Oh yeah, we went through times where there was no money. It was hard. But we paid cash for the building. And we took care of all of our bills. You see, I know that God has called us to live beyond reason. And for, far beyond the borders of our realities and our abilities. Of our own abilities. If we can do more, if we can't do more then the local Rotary Club. then how on earth do we dare call God dad? You see, this kind of a spirit requires us to live by faith in God's provision. When we daily trust God for our substance, then we'll tap into heaven's resources. Now, I know there's a need for stewardship in the body of Christ, and, you know, sometimes I'm afraid that what we call stewardship is simply fear disguised as wisdom. Well, my brother, uh, you know, these are perilous times, you know, and uh, no, no, no. Sometimes that's not stewardship, that's fear. I believe we need to be good stewards, don't get me wrong, Okay. Paul said it this way. He said in Philippians 4.19, he says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, if my source is only what I can see, if I'm limited by what only I can see, I'm really in trouble. But God has, has an unlimited supply. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness there is uh, thereof. The gold, the silver are his. And you don't think he can Harness the resources for you? He can't if you have a pauper's spirit. You know, I've often asked people, what do they do for a living? (laughs) Some of them say, I live by faith. I've learned over the years that this statement usually means I don't have a job. What they're really saying is I depend upon people to donate to my ministry. The unspoken belief is that people who receive a paycheck don't need to believe God anymore for their income. Now, this also is an ideological problem. If we ever stop living by faith when we start receiving a regular income, then we reduce our provision down to our ability to perform instead of God's ability to provide. See, I'm so sorry. For some of you, you were doing so well until you got that job. You were doing so well until you got a little bit of money. You were doing so well trusting God. Now some of you flip the other side. Well, praise God, and you're mooching off of people by faith. But others of you, you have to understand that you've now stopped living by faith because you have a job, you have a paycheck, and you're not trusting him anymore. Your paycheck has become your salvation. Now, i tell you, the pauper mentality can be found at every level of society and in all walks of life. The size of your bank account is no indication of whether or not you're experiencing the provision of God or not. Someone can have a lot of things but still feel insecure. Hmm? I'm surprised at how many people have everything and yet they feel insecure. They have to go get something bigger. They've got to go get the most expensive car. They've got to go get the most expensive airplane to feel good about themselves. Fearing, some people fear that something could happen to them and they could lose it all. So they hoard, they store up, they they live in fear. You see, when paupers acquire money or things, they tend to get their identity from them. The truth is that a man is not measured by what he has but what has him. Some people own houses but sometimes it seems that houses own people. You see when we live just to get things or work so much that we don't have time for the important relationships that we have in our lives I wonder if we own things or if they own us. There's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Wealthy people refuse to be reduced to their balance sheet and their wealth never has them. They don't worry about the money because they know there will always be enough. Rich people's self-esteem is attached directly to their profit and loss statement they exert a lot of energy, either chasing money or trying to keep it. I don't mean we shouldn't have good work habits. I just mean that princes don't work for money, but that rather they work for God. I promise you, I don't work for money. By the way, you couldn't pay me enough to do this job. but I work for God. When a pauper gets a lot of money, the question that needs to be answered is this. Did God gain a fortune or did he lose a man? Paupers often lose sight of their priorities when they get money, but princes don't get their identity from what they have Because they know that their identity is not dependent on their performance or their possessions. Princes own things, but they never let things own them. The result is that they're able to experience a worry-free life that Jesus promised in the scriptures. And they're able to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Knowing that all they need will be added to them. See, the promised land of princehood, not pauperhood, is filled with the Father's blessings. He wants to lavish his love on us, pour out his blessings in us, and give us more than we can contain. Can you see that that's a problem in the world today? Can you see that we have a lot of pauper mentality? Can you see that it's in the church? Yeah, you steal from each other. Borrow with no intention to repay, pauper spirit. So we break down trust. Pauper spirit. I don't trust anybody. Pauper spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit have to do? He tells us a story in the book of Nehemiah. He says, I'm going to send Nehemiah. I'm going to to send my spirit to rebuild the broken down gates, the fractured souls, the broken down walls, the burned gates. It's amazing. The story of Nehemiah. If you read through the whole story, there's really no miracle element in the whole book. Unlike many Zimbabweans who are running everywhere looking for some witch doctor or prophet to solve their problem in an instant. You see, the focus of this book isn't on miracles, it's on leadership. The work of God is carried out in this book in the day-to-day grind of committed workers under the favor and the strength and the wisdom of gifted leadership. The leadership of a bold leader, just ordinary people, but had strong leaders around them, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, we talk a lot about vision these days and A new horizon. And I believe that the only kind of vision that can survive in these times is a kingdom vision. A vision that's been given by God. A vision that sees things through the eyes of God. And only God can restore the heart of a person to be able to see things. You see, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He's more than a thousand miles away from the problem. But he's moved upon by the Holy Spirit and he receives a vision. He receives a burden from God. John 16 13, we read it earlier, it says, however, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. Well, I'll tell you what, there's nothing more exciting in yours and my life than when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, when the Holy Spirit begins to move on your life, and he begins to show you what's to come. God has a vision for you. God has a plan for you. But someone with a pauper spirit can never trust God. Because they can't trust anyone. See, it's the work of of the Holy Spirit to show you things yet to come. This is true in business. This is true in life. He comes to help us to rebuild our lives and to rebuild our businesses, to help rebuild our nation, to help rebuild our families. And he'll give you vision. He'll give you illumination. He'll give you counsel. He'll give you direction. These are all attributes that we need to receive from him as leadership, and to have in ourselves to be leaders. The theme of this year's synod is new horizons. And I'm persuaded that the key to our progress is the ability to see the new horizons and to move towards them. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, or the people cast off restraint. Hosea says, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you. And because you have ignored the law of your God, I will ignore your children. Well, let me tell you something. If ever we have that problem, it's in this country. It's not that we don't have knowledge, we reject knowledge. It's not that there aren't solutions to our problems in this country. The solutions are being rejected because of a pauper spirit. It's not that God's not speaking to you. It's that you're not able to hear it because there's a proper spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has come to restore you. We need to be restored. And that takes humility. Pastor Tommy this morning was talking about what it takes to receive healing. What it takes to to get restored. And it takes, first of all, humility. It takes humility the ability to repent, to say, we're, we're wrong. I'm broken. That's what happened to Nehemiah. He heard a thousand miles away, the walls are broken. The gates are burned. It's a reproach upon the people of God. It's embarrassing to be a Zimbabwean. We go all over the world and What's happening in your country? Oh my God. Did you really have a $10, 100, $100 trillion note? Uh, did you really do that? And you're doing it again? Oh my God. You know, once is stupid, twice is crazy. I mean, it's, it's hard to talk to people. It's, it's like, uh, what do you say? It's like, I don't know i got to tell you something. There is an enemy. And I told you earlier, the devil in this story is a satrap. He's a, a, a regional leader named Sanballat. And he rules the region around Jerusalem. Friday night, I want you to all be here because I'm going to be speaking extensively on the role of Sanballat in Israel's life. And how the Holy Spirit, or Nehemiah, helped the Israelites to overcome him. How you can overcome this enemy. It's so beautiful. These pictures are so wonderful. You see, the enemy working in your life, the enemy that's working in our economy is constantly trying to scatter your dreams, create panic and all kinds of temporary circumstances to keep you in a state of panic, keep you running constantly up and down, trying to just totally out out of control. The enemy doesn't want you to have any time to sit, to reflect, to meditate, to pray. If you study the story of Nehemiah, you'll find out that Nehemiah, before he did anything, he prepared. He he prepared himself before he went and spoke to the king. He prepared himself before he left Susa. He made sure that he had letters of authority from the king. He made sure he had the timbers that were going to be needed from the forest. That he had rites of passage through, I think there were like 120 different provinces that he had to move through, each with a sand in it, and each one controlling their border, and taxes had to be paid, and all those. He had to have letters of passage. He didn't just run, but he had time to think. He had time. And then before he went to the king, he prayed. He had a plan. He had an idea. Then when he gets to Jerusalem, he didn't tell anybody he was there. He took three days to go out and spy out the land before he would let anyone know what his intentions were. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does in your life, in our lives. enemy doesn't want you to hear God. He doesn't want you to get the direction of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to be led of the Spirit. Psalm 25, 14 says this. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Oh, man, I love that. But we have to fear him. We have to listen to him. Let him confide in you. He says, I'm going to. The Lord confides in those. God's not hiding stuff from you. He's your father, for goodness sake. How many? Well, maybe you had a bad father. Maybe you have a pauper spirit because of your father relationship. Your father never talked to you, you don't know how to hear. Folks, the nation of Zimbabwe and the nations of the world are in turmoil. We have a leadership that has become spiritually blind, and therefore they become physically blind. Because they're no longer able to see, and they're not willing to listen. They're unable to lead. There's no vision. And it's not just a political party. It's all the political parties. There's no vision. Nobody's talking about a vision, a way forward. They're only talking about who's going to be in power again. What for? So you can chow? So you can eat? It's our turn to eat. We write books about it in Africa. It's our time to eat. It's our time to eat. No, it's our time to build. (laughs) Here's the problem. Many of our business leaders... And our pastors around the world have adopted the same attitude and they're living for today with only the needs of themselves inside. How do we build with this kind of a mindset? A survival mindset? You don't. The gates have been destroyed and the walls have been broken down. We live in fear and uncertainty and the leaders love it that way because they can take advantage of the situation for personal gain. We have a whole generation that has never seen or felt what progress is like. Any of you that have been born from the 1980s have suffered under the hand of backward-looking leaders, backward-looking leadership in our nation. How many of you know you can't see new horizons looking backwards? Seeing new horizons will require you to make time to separate yourself and reflect and meditate. Seeing new horizons will require you to intentionally look ahead to your new horizon, to see how far, how long, and to set a time to get to that horizon. Nehemiah, when he was asked by the king, how long do you need? Set a time, set a time. How long do you think his time was? I told the business guys this. You know, I read this story and it took him 52 days to rebuild the wall. I thought, well, man, maybe, you know, maybe it took a few months to get prepared. I don't know the time scales. I mean, he had to get the timbers there. So I'm trying to figure it all out. I thought, well, you know, if it took 52 days to build the wall, I said, a couple of years. How long do you think that Nehemiah was there? How, how long do you think the king would let you leave when you're his trusted cupbearer, his, his most trusted counselor? 12 years. 12 years. I was shocked. See, some of you want to have a miracle. You want your situation to turn around in a year. In fact, you just want one good deal. If I could just get a good deal. You don't want to build anything. You just want to chow. You need to plan and strategize. How to move from here to your new horizon. To what God's saying. This is a new season. I want you to understand something. I'm making a declaration now. This is a new season that we're entering into. It's a new season for our lives. And I'm not making this like, you know, I'm just talking out of thin air. No. You have to understand that we're at the end on the biblical calendar of a jubilee cycle. When that happens, God is doing something. God said that he would release debt. The season after a jubilee is a season or a, a, a year of new beginnings. It's a new beginning. So for those of us that are not looking to the newspaper and not looking to CNN and not looking to what the next politician's going to say, but we're looking to God, God has a timetable. And God's timetable is more sure than all of that fake news. God's timetable says it's a year of new beginnings. So I think it's time to ask ourselves what's happening? What will happen in Zimbabwe next year? What will happen in five years? What will happen in 10 years? What will happen in the next 50 years, the next jubilee cycle? Well, let me tell you what I think is going to happen. Next year, we're having elections. And regardless of what happens, there will be some kind of substantive change. It doesn't matter who gets elected. We can't keep going like this. So once we get through this crazy time, what we have every time we have elections, the crazy cycle, then there will be some kind of substantive change. I can't tell you what that's going to be. But it doesn't matter. My eyes are not on our government. They haven't solved any problems. They're not going to solve the problems. Regardless, that's not our solution. God is the solution. Our leaders are not calling upon God. There are none of them that are calling upon God. I don't see any candidate that is literally calling upon the Lord or calling the nation... To the Lord. So as long as they think they can solve the problems, they're going to look foolish. Because this problem can only be solved by God. It's God who, is the, who, who raises one up and lowers another. And it's God who <laughs> secures nations. Not politicians. Is anybody listening to me? In the next five years, within this time frame, it is more than likely that President Mugabe would go on to be wherever he's going to go. <laughs> uh, nobody knows. I mean, listen, that's not ours to judge. I hope he goes to be with the Lord. I hope he accepts. I believe that I had a chance to speak to him. I believe that he, will, he, he wants to receive Jesus. He may be a leader that did accept Christ, but had a pauper spirit, never did get his soul fixed. And that, I don't begrudge that. Can I, can I tell you something? Don't begrudge the liberators. The picture of the liberators is exactly the picture in the Bible. God took the children of Israel out of bondage, took them out of Egypt, got them free, but they were never free in themselves. So much so that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as bound. They saw themselves as slaves. They kept their slavish, pauperish mentality until they all died in the wilderness, By the way, that was 40 years. In the next five years, we'll hit our 40-year cycle. It's the year of judgment. So I have no doubt that we may have to go through a 40-year cycle. You know, when I came to the country, I had such great hopes. When we had independence, I thought, wow, what a chance for the gem of Africa, the, the jewel of Africa to shine, to be the nation that has been prophesied, the Switzerland of Africa. The bread basket of Africa. I thought, man. Well, that's what a pauper spirit does. There's going to be a leadership vacuum when that generation dies off. Because they're not raising up another generation. They're biting and devouring each other. The Bible warns about that. And unfortunately in our country, we have left the leadership to those who are least capable of leading the nation. I mean, think about it. Many of our civil servants, because you didn't take the positions, because those of you that are educated, you left that to gardeners and to people that Probably shouldn't be leading the, the nation, but they are. Listen to me, listen to me, folks. It's time for some of you and some of us to consider genuine service to our nation. You know, at one time it used to be a. It used to, there was a time that to be a civil servant was a highly honored and beloved post. Today, our civil servants, for the most part, are not serving, they're, and they're not respected. So what will Zimbabwe look like in 10 years? Well, I believe that in 10 years, my vision is that once again, God will raise up a remnant and Zimbabwe will become the light of Africa. You see, the same thing that Zimbabwe went through and has been going through is happening in South Africa. The pauper spirit is in place there. People are eating and chowing. And and I think they'll probably go through the same moral decay and corruption that we have faced. Unless God intervenes and there's a revival. But that won't be bad for Zimbabwe because if we revive our hearts, if we allow God to rebuild our gates and walls personally, in our marriages, in our businesses, in our families, in our churches, We'll be ready for what God wants to do on the continent of Africa. 50 years, Well, I know this. In 50 years' time, for most of us in this room, it'll be up to those that we have trained, those that we've empowered, and those that we have left to carry out our legacy and our heritage Are we building legacy? Are we building heritage? Or are we going to be like our fathers who ate everything and died and said, start over from the beginning? (laughs) Right now, change is upon us. I think it's time for us to arise. I think it's time for us to wake up. I think it's time for us to move forward in our planning. And if we don't, we will soon become another colony The Chinese are coming. The South Africans are coming. The Nigerians and other foreigners are coming. And they will feast on our nation. In fact, some of you don't realize it, but you're already being colonized. Well, think about this. The United Nations is colonizing you. They're coming in and they're putting all these things on our culture, your culture. When did Africans ever have abortions? Excuse me. When did we have abortions? We never did that. I've talked to you. I've been here for 40 years, 39 years. I I know the culture. You didn't ever allow abortions. It was embarrassments. You You know, we had babies, but guess what? We had babies and grandma took care of them. Go, go. Families took care of the babies, but we never killed them. We didn't kill our babies. Now we did have a little bit of infanticide if you were albino. Come on, had a little bit of infanticide on a few other issues, but hey, I'm I'm sorry, but the LGBT thing, oh, I don't know, I don't know how many genders we're up to now. Uh, last I heard was like 35 or something. I don't know, it just changes every day. I mean, you can be anything you want to. It's it's fluid. Remember, it's just fluid. So here's what I'm saying, but that's not African. That's not our culture. But, but what are we doing? We're allowing things tied to greed, tied to a pauper spirit, to change us. Why? Because I want money. Okay, you can, you, we'll change our values. No, 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 no. You're princes. You're princes. Who's colonizing you? Colonization has a lot to do with the way you think. Is Hollywood colonizing you? they sure brainwashing you. How do we do this? Let me close. Well, I think it's time for some of us to get real busy checking our own hearts and saying, God, help me to rebuild the walls. Holy Spirit, would you come and help me rebuild the walls and the gates in my life? Some of us need to repent. Some of us are seeing ourselves tonight. We're seeing, oh my God, I have had a pauper spirit. I can't help but think of Isaiah when he saw the Lord. He says, oh God, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and unclean hands, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and unclean hands. There's such a brokenness. Oh, God, God, I can't. And I couldn't look at God. He said, oh, God. Then he overhears God giving a conversation. Who can we send? He says, Lord, send me. But what did God do? He didn't just leave him. He took a hot coal off the altar of heaven, touched his lips and says, I've cleansed you. I've purified. I've made you my prophet. You'll speak for me now. Man, I'll tell you what, we need that in our nation right now. Some of you in your business, you need to get serious about doing business and stop playing around. You need to equip yourself. You need to find capital and tools for your trade and systems and long-term plans. And you've got to think beyond a year, beyond a day. I told the businessman, I said, you know, some of you want to build a company in a year. I've told businessmen since the day I came to this country, if you're not willing to give five years to build your company, then don't go into business. Even the Bible teaches that. When you build an orchard, five years. The first year, you plow everything back in. You don't take any harvest. You plow it back in. You let it fall to the ground and you plow it back in. Second year, no harvest. Plow it back in. You don't take anything off the trees. Third year, you plow it all back in. Do you remember the story of the fig tree in the vineyard? This is a peculiar story. You don't put fig trees in a vineyard. Let me tell you that. But there's a fig tree in the vineyard. And the master comes and he sees this fig tree and it's not producing. And the master's angry. He says, chop it down. But the husbandman says, wait a minute. He says, it's only the third year. It's only the third year. He said, let me dung it one more year. And if it doesn't produce then, then we'll cut it down. Do you know why? Because in the Bible, if you look in Leviticus, the biblical pattern is that the first three years, everything goes into the ground. The fourth year, the whole harvest is taken and given to the Lord, given to the temple. If your tree won't produce for the Lord, chop it down. Then the Bible says the fifth year, hey, hey, it's all yours, baby, except you have to tithe. (laughs) And the tithe, the tithe doesn't come out of your daily turnover. It comes at the end of the year if you've had increase. You tithe out of the increase, okay? Hallelujah. The the next thing we need to do, if we're going to have our new horizon, if we're going to see these new horizons, is we've got to stop murmuring and complaining we gotta stop the murmuring and complaining. You gotta stop sounding like the world. You've got to trust and start acting not like the older brother. You gotta start acting like the father that says, wait a minute, I own the place. You gotta start acting like this is yours, that God's helping you. That it doesn't matter what's going on around us. God's with me. You gotta start giving thanks and you need to begin to secure your territory. You need to form strategic alliance. Alliances. Some of you don't trust each other. You just don't trust people. Well, guess what? I'm not saying jump in and just put everything. I'm saying start building real relationships. Don't throw everything in together. Trust is built little bit by little bit. But with one success comes another. With another comes another. Pretty soon trust Great things happen when you do things together. And then you need to begin to secure strategic real estate investments. And I said that in the business forum. I'm not gonna repeat it today. The Bible tells a proverb. It says in Proverbs 26, 13, the sluggard says there's a lion in the road a fierce lion roaming the streets. And therefore he doesn't go out and work his land and he suffers for it. The Bible talks about three people. The sluggard, the fool, and the mocker. And it says all three of these people always fail. and They always suffer in the Bible. Now is the time for us to look to the new horizons. Now it is time for us to seek knowledge and understanding and wisdom. The Bible says if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us. James, if, you ask, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in everything that they do. That's the picture of the pauper spirit. Unstable in everything that they do. Tossed. East, then west. North, then south. Look east, look west. Look north, look south. We're tossed. We don't know what to do. Bond notes, no bond notes. Tossed. Grasping at straws. But that's how it's like in your life. Maybe you're as a pastor. That's how you run your church. Just grasping at straws. Let's try this. Let's try that. That's how you run your business. Okay. Get all of our cash. Burn it. Cycle it. (gasps) no vision, no voice of God, no direction, no long-term plan, chow, eat today. Folks, I'm telling you something. Wherever we're at in the world, now's not the time to be careless. Now's not the time to just be running and doing the best you can It's not time to be the best you you can be. It's time to let the Holy Spirit restore your gates, the burned gates of your life, and let the Holy Spirit come and build up your walls and let him restore you to the purpose that God created you for, to rule and to reign as one Christ Jesus, to take on your role as a son of God. Is anybody listening to me? So tonight I want to close and thank you for being so attentive but it's not enough just to hear a message. You See, we've got to learn to like the prophets of old when they heard God speak to them they didn't just say, oh that was nice. Sometimes we get so busy listening to messages, we forget to listen to them. We we hear we're hearing messages, we forget to listen. What is God not saying to the congregation? Not saying to the nation. What's he saying to you tonight? What's he saying to your heart tonight? What's he saying to your spirit tonight? Can you see some walls that are broken down? Can you see some gates that have been burned? You know, there's 10 gates in Jerusalem in the story. Each one is significant. Each one has to be restored in our lives. It's symbolic of something. It's a fantastic story. But tonight, I can tell you this. Before your gates can be restored, before your wall can be rebuilt, like Nehemiah, you have to acknowledge we have a problem. You have to acknowledge the fact that my walls are broken. Our gates have been burned. And the enemy comes in and out of my life. In and out of my marriage. In and out of my family. In and out of my business. In and out of my church. In and out of my nation at will. This is wrong. This is wrong. God forgive me. Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray tonight, I'm going to repent, I'm going to be brokenhearted over this, would you, would you help me tonight, would you come into my life tonight, can we do that tonight, if, if, if this message is speaking to you personally, you feel like I, 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 I do want to repent, Then right where you're at, just stand up. Slip up out of your seat and just stand and say, God, tonight I want to do business with you. Some of you can make your way and come to the altar. If you feel like, hey, I need to be at the altar tonight. Some of you can come and make your way and even come up here onto the platform of the altar. Just make your way. Say, I I just got to get, whatever it takes. But would you let God break your heart tonight? Would you let God deal with us? Cause I tell you what, I, I want to see our nation restored. I want to see our church full of life. I want to see your lives the way God meant them to be. And I know this—that only the Holy Spirit can do that. Amen. Come on, let's thank Him. We thank You, Lord. We worship You. We say that You are King. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're the Creator. You're great. You're well able. Your arm is not short to save. We come to you, and Father, we say, our walls have been broken down. Our enemies have frightened us, intimidated us, and caused us to take on a pauper spirit. Forgive us, God, We don't see ourselves as sons and daughters. Our gates have been burned. Oh, God, help us. Send your Holy Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we are desperate. Would you come tonight? Would you come in our lives? In our lives? Would you rebuild us? Would you help us to be honest with ourselves? Help us to look at the breaches in the wall give us a plan give us a strategy to rebuild our lives to rebuild our families to rebuild our churches and to rebuild our nation give us a plan we don't we confess we don't have the plan we've all of our plans have failed our plans have failed our plans have failed our enemies are still taunting us. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.